Hello everyone, for this episode we wanted to find out more about what law enforcement is doing to tackle online fraud. So we paid a visit to Ben and Sean of the DCPCU, or the Dedicated Card and Payment Crime Unit, a joint unit of Metropolitan and City Police Officers here in London. Ben is a detective sergeant who heads up one of the investigation teams, while Sean is a senior intelligence analyst who helps develop intel and data for the DCPCU. Ben and Sean walk Jerry through how they work with banks, merchants, and law enforcement agencies around the world to receive and analyze data that can lead to the prosecution of prolific offenders. Thanks very much for welcoming us here to your office. Um, Sean, I wonder if you could give our listeners just an overview of DCPCU itself. Yeah, sure. So we are a small police unit. Um, we're made up of officers from both the Metropolitan Police and from the City of London Police. Uh, we also uh, have police staff and civilian staff from UK Finance, which is a trade body for the UK banking industry. Um, we are an independent police unit, but we are sponsored by the UK banks banking industry. Okay, and uh, I think the easiest way for our listeners to get a good understanding of what you do is just maybe talk through some, some of the cases that you prosecuted and um, you've seen over the years. Okay. Um, an example would be where we've worked with retailers in the banking in- industry. Sean's team, for example, would uh, take the intelligence and data and find viable lines of inquiries to find addresses or pe- persons of interest. We went, would then develop them. And one case in particular, Operation Seacoast, um, we executed a warrant uh, an address. Um, and to our surprise, we found... Um, not only the person we're looking for and property linking to fraud, mm-hmm. but um, uh, false identities uh, with um, bank accounts set up, set up in those identities. Working with our, the, the banks and our other partners, we identified a, a money laundering network connected to other types of fraud. So we've got mandate fraud, uh, romance frauds, and mm-hmm. it links into a wider organised criminal groups, which for us is. You know, something which starts off quite small, we've uncovered something quite big. That's one of our most successful operations uh, in the last 12 months or so. Uh, which leads me neatly, I think, to the next question, which is, I mean, what kind of frauds are you looking for? Is it the uh, organised big guys or is it a, a different spread? Um, we've, we've got three main areas that we look at. So we've got card not present fraud, uh, we've mm-hmm. got social engineering and staff insiders, the people that work inside the banks. Um, so for card not present fraud, we, we try to target those at the high level, mm-hmm. those um, the organised element, rather than people acquiring, acquiring details and just making purchases for their own orders for, for themselves. Right. Um, you then got your staff insiders that are, uh, are targeting customer accounts for either their own gain or obviously organised criminal networks. So we need to deal with them appropriately. So in order to investigate these crimes, you need intelligence, you need data. Um, I wonder if you can tell us where you're getting sourcing that data from and how you're using it. Yeah, okay. So we, with our, the dedicated intel cell we have, uh, we receive, analyze, and develop all sorts of intelligence from a whole range of different sources. So um, all of our banking partners, they feed intelligence into us. Various key partner merchants who work with us and share data with us. Uh, as well as law enforcement. So not just law enforcement agencies within the UK, but actually on an international level. So across Europe, the United States, we have various different intel streams that come into us. Mm -hmm. 
that intel can vary. It can be sort of individual little snippets of intelligence, maybe about a specific person or a specific group. Or it could be a case referral where a bank has put work together and, and got it to a certain extent, a point where they can they think law enforcement would be interested in it, so they then refer that into us. Or it could simply be bulk fraud data from, from a partner merchant. We'll then receive that intel, we'll assess it, look for viability, and we'll analyze it to, to pull out the key sort of intel and cases within it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the key things that we do is we'll try and take the, the key intel from it and share it with other partners to then get their intel about it, to expand the picture. Yeah. What we find with card present fraud is that the banks might see one part of card present fraud, the merchants will see another part, law enforcement will see another part. It's only really by overlaying all three that you get that full picture and that full ability to understand who's doing it and how they're doing it so that we can then refer it, take action. Um, I mean, without giving anything away and to get a little sort of analyst geeky for a bit, I mean, what, what sort of techniques are you using? Are you using um, analysis, machine learning? We do all sorts of analytical techniques. Um, I'm not going to go into real specifics on sure. it, but we... We use a number of techniques to bring together link series using a variety of methods, and then we'll use a variety of techniques to work out who's behind that. Um, would you say the majority of the sort of cases you investigate are a result of sort of data analysis, or are they more a result of the sort of the snippets that you're seeing, the sort of reported, this is definitely crime, can you investigate this? Um, where we get it from different streams, and, and fraud has become more mainstream and more available to Joe Public. So social media has been, there's a big increase, and that's seen, we've seen an increase in there of where CMP has been used as a service. Mm-hmm. So people are on social media advertising goods for sale and paying for it by social media. The customer, so to speak, wouldn't necessarily know it's fraud, the people that are receiving the goods, but it's just more available and people are actually making um, a living out of it, whereas before um, it, it may have been more underground, more of a niche community, mm-hmm. but certainly it's, it's getting popular. And we're, yep. we're trying to target those, organising that element of it. I mean, it, from our perspective, we, we work with merchants, uh, you know, we see this sort of rising tide of, of low level fraud, I call it, sort of slow ATV, they're not looking to, you know, it's not a big job. Uh, they're looking to get goods and services at reasonably low value. Um, I mean, do you have any? I know you said that they're not the people; these individuals are not the people you're looking to necessarily prosecute. But do you have any thoughts about that growing trend and uh, how to stop it? Um, I, I think it's we we always acknowledge that law enforcement can't arrest our way out of this problem. Yeah. We, we alone can't you know arrest everybody who's involved in this this type of fraud. But we know there's a lot of good work going on out there by banks, merchants, and companies who work in the sort of transactional risk and security space who are all trying to prevent card not present fraud taking place at any level. Mm-hmm. But we know there are fraudsters who evade this, and it's really by us looking to target them that we can start to have an effect on some of the others. So in terms of by us going out and, and taking action against people who are involved in this sort of criminality, we're, we're sending the message that this sort of behaviour will not go unchallenged. Um, so, it, we're, yeah, we're disrupting organised criminal groups and prolific offenders, but as we spread that message, hopefully others will think about, well, do I really want to commit this fraud? Am I at risk of getting caught? And hopefully we'll make some of them think twice as well as all this prevention work that goes on. 
on top of that, the work that we do, it allows us to gather further intelligence about methods and MOs being used by mm-hmm. offenders, which we can then share, which again, just helps that crime prevention work really. Um, so there's always benefits to what we do, but we know that we're, we, we can't solve it all on our own. It's just... Um, yeah, just a minor point to that. I mean, where you haven't been able to you gather a load of data, sometimes it's not possible to perform a prosecution for a variety of reasons. Uh, what happens to that information? Do you, do you feed it back to the banks, to the merchants? Is there an easy way for people outside of these walls to sort of access that data or access that um, guidance? Yeah, we do. So obviously where possible, we will look to obtain further intelligence or evidence to help identify or corroborate an offender's involvement. That's always the first part of it. But in case, some cases that isn't possible. So we'll look to ensure that intelligence obtained through the sharing and development that the Intel cell does is recorded for further use. Now, obviously we're limited on who we can share that with and how we share it, but we will look where relevant to share that with our banking partners um, or with the key partner merchants as well. Um, Internally or or more in the law enforcement perspective, we will record intelligence uh, in our systems, first to make sure it's available to support any future investigations as we know that some offenders, if we can't get them the first time, mm-hmm. the chances are they'll carry on offending and maybe we'll get a second bite of the apple, so to speak. Um, that's all done securely um, to protect our sources and make sure we only retain relevant information. And all of that information is then ingested into the Police National Database. So actually it's available to any other law enforcement in, agency in the country to support their activity. So even if we can't necessarily take action, someone else can. Um, I'd say sort of just finally, one of the other things that we, we can do, if we can identify an offender, but maybe someone else is potentially looking at them or we ourselves can't take action against them, our good connections for either the Met or the City of London Police allow us to look to refer those cases for action from another force. And that is something we have done previously. For example, we've referred a case up to Police Scotland and they did a load of work in association with us, and that was an effective way of handling that intelligence. We also got connections with action fraud, so mm-hmm. we can review crimes which have been reported by the Joe public or being investigated by the police forces, and we actually look for links within those crimes. So if it's um, something that we've got connection to, we can provide that intelligence or actually take those investigations on as well. So it's quite handy having the, the action fraud system. What about the question of... Um, Jurisdiction. So many of the criminal gangs that are particularly farming the uh, the uh, password, the passwords, the passwords, and the the credit card numbers uh, are based abroad. Uh, they operate abroad and they sell internally in the UK. But how do you manage that um, jurisdiction problem? Uh, in terms of liaising with other international law enforcement, we have good relationship with European law enforcement agencies via Europol. We have a good relationship with other law enforcement agencies further afield via Interpol and we have a good relationship with US law enforcement simply from the work that we do and, and our relationship with them. And where possible, we will look to liaise and share intelligence and information about cross-border activity and then work together to try and resolve that. And we have done that previously. Uh, if you had a magic wand uh what one thing or two things maybe would you wish that merchants would do? Should more merchants share more data? Should more? Should they? And you know, I generally don't know the answer to it. So, just is there an answer to it? I can skip the question. So we we've got the retail week of action where we work with key merchants and um, the banking community. So 
we, we've got a network there that we were able to get the data. We could have too much data and we would be able to process it. Mm -hmm. um, but working with people, uh, the retailers that we've got, we, we, we know what data we're getting, don't we? And we know what lines of inquiry we can follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think if there was sort of one thing that I would potentially kind of recommend is, is merchants working together to share their fraud data to identify trends between them mm -hmm. that maybe can then be referred into law enforcement because we know that some offenders will go to multiple merchants to offend and where they can identify that together to see the broad picture, that makes it a lot easier then for law enforcement to to bring that information together and take action against it. Um, can I ask what trends you are seeing? Um, I mean, we see all sorts of different MOs and trends with the Intel received. Um, I can't really talk about a lot of them in specific detail sure. because we don't particularly want to spread that message. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I mean, Ben touched on it earlier. It's brokerage is a particular thing that we're seeing proliferating. Can you explain brokerage? So it's it's where fraudsters are carrying out fraud on behalf of others as a service. Yeah. So they... We, we see it, more recently the trend is, is that they're becoming more prevalent on social media platforms. They create a brand and a marketing effectively and they, they, they advertise that they can acquire goods and services at a reduced cost rate from, from any particular merchant or even retail type. Mm -hmm. um, and their followers or their, their customers will effectively go to them, make orders and pay a reduced rate. And then the, offend, the fraudster will will make a transaction using compromised cards and the customer then receives their goods at a reduced rate. Um, that's something that's been around for a while, but they're becoming increasingly more sophisticated in terms of how they run their business model, how they run their marketing, uh, to the point now where they, they're almost mainstream in appearance and they're becoming more sophisticated in their ways of avoiding transactional security methods. Um, and that's something that we've been sort of following in the last sort of couple of years. But we're still able to find ways that we can target them. So from a law enforcement perspective, whilst they're becoming more sophisticated, we, we can still identify them and, and take action against them. And clearly these people are appearing on mainstream social media platforms. This isn't Bitcoins on the dark net. This is... No, this is, they're, they're on pretty much any social media platform you can imagine. In fact, they, they appear on um, things like classified ad sites as well. They appear almost anywhere. Okay, thanks, Ben. Thanks, Sean. That was really interesting. It's a Thank fascinating you. insight into, you know, the fight back against this uh, big trend that we're seeing. Um, and good luck, and thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.